the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Rumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Anadar Ola. I am Spud Goodman. The Spud Man. I will be your tour guide for the next 58 and a half minutes. You know, my job title is talk show host. But I feel like I exceed that, you know, somewhat limiting job title. And in essence, I try to take our listeners to places most radio shows would not travel to. You know, sure, some may say other hosts may be more wiser or are more talented than I, but I will continue to push on to, to give you a product that's just a little different, you know, maybe slightly outside the box, even when it seems wiser to put it back inside the box. This one goes in your butt. Hang on a second. This one, this one goes in your mouth. Oh, and I need to state that, you know, we're still doing this show outside the studio remotely in our homes. Even though that whole social distancing deal is about done, you know, for people with brains enough to get vaccinated. Uh, of course, my esteemed co-host is not in that category, which which is a subject for another day. Uh, with that being said, let me introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Go ahead and give us a, a stout chuckle. <laughs> there you go. Oh, wow. Well done. You know, that could have been one of your all-time best. Okay. Yay. Yeah. So now I'm obligated to introduce our show's unvaccinated, I, I repeat, unvaccinated, temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, with a premise less is more, I will now allow you to acknowledge my acknowledgement. Go ahead. You know, we await your decision. Be a team player and just say hi or go rogue and attempt a filibuster, wasting valuable airtime. Oh, okay. All right. Well, listen, even though I refuse to be one of Bill Gates' vaccinated, mind-controlled robots, I'm still <laughs> a team player, Spud. Uh, well, I am. And I feel that if given the freedom... Freedom! I could adequately express myself in, oh, say, 90 seconds. That, that should be sufficient time for me to make a connection with the listeners. Uh, listen, I'd prefer, like, uh, I don't know, three minutes or so, but I could pull it off in 90 seconds. So, you have put yourself above the needs of our show. 90 no. seconds is an eternity of airtime for a freaking co-host. We might as well air 90 seconds of white noise. You know that, that really annoying sound that bothers your ears? This is your decision? Seriously? Seriously. Oh, uh, well, uh, fine. Okay. All right. Hello, everybody. Uh, how was that? That's what I'm talking about. All right. And now I'm supposed to introduce our show's intern, Chance. Are you there? Are you going to say that I'm the most popular person on this program? 
How many times uh, do we have to go over this? It is what is supposed to be said whenever I'm introduced. Our executive producer, Lori, put this in the memo that everyone got. I am more popular than you, Spud. Not only are you a hot dog, a grandstander, a showboat, and a prima donna, but you're a liar, too. Yeah, okay. Here is Chance, the show's most popular person. There you go, Mr. Egomaniac. Oh, Spud, is it that difficult for you to show some respect to my fiancé, Chance? Well, if he And yeah. you know he does so much for this program. Your jealousy... And, of course, damaged pride are becoming an issue here. He deserves better. It's okay, Dorothy. I don't internalize Spud's lack of respect. It means nothing to me as I have a copy of the listener research. I know my importance to this show. Just because Spud is weak and insecure, it won't impact me. I am better than that as a man. That's so hot. And, honey, your self-respect and belief in yourself is just one more reason I love you so much. Right back at you, Dorothy. Uh, hey, uh, Spud, if, if uh, I may interrupt here, I, well, I just received an email on my desktop here in the living room, uh, and it's from our executive producer. Um, you got a copy, too, as I can see. You were CC'd, but uh, anyway, uh, well, we are supposed uh, to bring up the station's giveaway contest right now. It, it's that time of year again where the total number of listeners need a bit of a boost, so to speak. Do you want me to read the copy uh, she gave us? Not really, and I may have accidentally deleted it. Good call, yo. Okay, I'll do it now. Attention listeners, do you want to win $1,000 or uh, a new microwave or even a brand new set of steak knives? Uh, they're supposed to be very fine cutlery, by the way. Well, just keep it tuned to this station and you too can be a winner. There is, uh, well, there's more copy here, but maybe I can read it a little later. You know, yeah. keep everyone on the edge of their seat about the prizes. Well, well first of all, you know, we are heard on stations all over the world, you know, and all those stations are not going to want to do a stupid giveaway contest. And even if they did, no normal listeners would be into this, okay? Who the hell wants a new set of steak knives? I don't even own an old set of steak knives. Yeah, well, this promotion is for our home station, KKNW 1150 in Seattle. Uh, but other stations are welcome to join in, too. Um, you, you know, in the Holcomb household, the steak knife is a very important utensil in our cutlery collection. Uh, it's extremely versatile i don't understand you would think management would have the most popular person on this program handle the giveaway information oh i know honey but you might want to stay out of this promotion i don't think it's going to end well i share your feelings aunt dorothy i have to be honest with our listeners the chance of any of them actually winning a thousand dollars is so remote They'd have a better chance of winning that super Powerball lottery. You know, that one where someone can win like a billion dollars, but there's less than a one in a zillion chance. And, and, and come on, I mean, where is this station going to come up with a spare thousand dollars? I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, well, the the contest rules say they they could win that thousand dollars. It doesn't promise it will 
be awarded, uh, certain requirements oh. have to be met first uh, before a check is issued. Yeah, I see. <laughs> oh, okay, maybe I did actually take a, a glance at the memo, and, and I did read some of the rules, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. There was more legalese in the fine print than that publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes contest. You know, and on that topic, I'm just curious, does anyone know of a living person who actually had someone, anyone, not not just Ed McMahon, come to their door with a big freaking check? I don't think so. Well, I suppose somebody must have won sometime or they wouldn't be able to make those commercials with the winners. Really? At least I think they're real winners. Yeah, like, like most people in those drug company commercials, uh, it's kind of some similarities there. The, the ones that are on all the time on cable news shows, no way they're all really suffering from those illnesses. Just no way. Basically, they're terrible actors for hire. You know, in essence, wannabe models. And that's why they don't even get lines to say in most of them. Not quite, you know, seriously, they're not quite attractive enough to be on runways, but, but are too good looking to be taken seriously in an actual job. As most of them, when I look, I'm no, no one looks that hot in real life. That's kind of what I'm saying. Uh, you know, and at least once that people look like that don't get those diseases. So anyway, and it's just like this giveaway contest, it's just another scam. Come on, we all know this. Yes! Oh, I don't believe that. At our staff meeting, I saw a brochure for those steak knives. I think we have two of them to award to the winners. Winners? I didn't get that memo on the contest. Can I enter? We have crappy steak knives at my parents' house. I mean, I don't get paid as an intern here, so... Uh, well, no, Chance. Unfortunately, there are laws that prevent any of us on the show to win any contest put on by our station. I, I believe it's a federal statute. No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Uh, we should probably now lay out the rules. You know, uh, to be named a winner, do you want to handle this? I'm not going to get my hands any dirtier than they already are, you know, in my daily duties as a talk show host. Uh, very well. Okay, we will be awarding prizes to random callers, and uh, there's no set order for the callers to win. Uh, I believe the station has contracted with a company who uses an algorithm which determines our call-in winners. Uh, we will receive a direct message indicating who has won a prize. Um, so I'm excited to see how this plays out. Um, yeah. Could someone play our station call-in number, uh, Spud? We were told to play it often. Fine. Attention, Attention listeners. listeners, get on the phone and call the Spud Line. 253-242-3054. Call the Spud, Spud, Spud Line. Call it. You know, now I feel even further ashamed. Well, why don't I play some music to purify my soul? Yeah, so here's DJ BC with an interesting mix he came up with. Uh, it's titled Building My Life. You may recognize the two bands he chose to, to blend a bit. Uh, and here's a hint. They both start with a B. Sit back and stick out your neck It's easy 
is ready to go. Now, uh, he used to work on that MSNDC liberal cable news channel, right? Uh, it's all fake news. Uh, MSNBC, yes. Uh, he doesn't work there anymore, though. Uh, I must say, Chris was a great uh, guest the last time he was on the show. Uh, a very knowledgeable man about the political history of this country. I have a bunch of stuff to ask him. Well, please, don't go on one of your Donald Trump was a horrible president routines. You, you know, there are a lot of us that truly love this man. I know, and that is why I'm forced to go there, all right? Just put Chris through. Very well. But but in fairness, you you really should have Jesse Waters or Greg Gutfeld on the show, too, so we can be, you know, fair and balanced. Fair and balanced. It's who we are. Yeah, I think Fox dropped that lame line a while ago. It was a total joke, uh, but just just put him through. Uh, okay, okay, here he is. Welcome back to the show, TV host, author, and political commentator Chris Matthews. We appreciate you taking the time to check in with us again. I'm here, Spud. Thank you for yeah. having me out there. Absolutely. You, you, I, I wish I could come to Seattle because every time I've done, a, I've done a book tour, I've always gotten to Seattle because it's a renowned book reading city, and. Yeah. Uh, I used to love to go out there. Yeah, we love our books. Um, well, you have a new one out uh, titled uh, This Country, My Life in Politics and History, published by Simon & Schuster and available everywhere books are sold. So you, you've written a bunch of books over the years, but I'm feeling this one is very important to you at this point in your career. Well, it covers like 
Well, I'm 75, and I, uh, it covers ever since I got interested in politics and when I was five years old and Eisenhower was running for president. And I've had this interest that has driven me into from being an outsider watching history to getting inside it. And I was in the back rooms of politics. Uh, I mean, people always wonder what goes on behind those rooms. Well, I know. I've been there and uh, a long time. I was in... I was on Air Force One with Jimmy Carter when we lost. I was writing speeches for him. We were in Air Force Marine One flying into Georgia to vote when he knew he was going to lose by 10 points. Yeah. Uh, I was with him, and I still keep up with him. I like the guy. And then uh, in his mid-90s, and then uh, I was with Tip O'Neill, the legendary speaker of the house, in the back rooms with him as he would wrestle with Ronald Reagan every day for uh, six years, every morning with him, hearing his stories. And then I got to be a journalist uh, covering things like the fall of the Berlin Wall and being there talking to people, asking them why it's important to them, what does freedom mean to them, and, uh, and having a young guy say, talking to you is freedom, just to me. So talking to you, that's freedom. They didn't have it. Right. And uh, in South Africa with Archbishop Tutu, personally with them, I got a picture of he and I in, in South Africa down in Cape Town where we're going from voting booth to voting station to voting station with this line of voters from one horizon to another, and he's talking about getting to vote. I, I watched, I was with him physically when he voted the first time in his life at age 62. So well, I've been so lucky to be in these places. Well, speaking of South Africa, I was Africa. I was going to ask you, 1994, I believe that was the year you were there. It relates to, to the current days. Do you, do you feel uh, the Tucker Carlson gang is projecting ahead like 20 years or sooner into the future of this country and freaking out, you know, about, about having to give up their home field advantage, you know, maybe not actually being replaced, but no longer having the game rigged in their favor. I mean, as we know, the demographics are going to change very soon. Look, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that uh, the Republican Party has tied itself to that sentiment of fear. Uh, they have tied it, uh, Trump especially, I should say, maybe just narrow it to him. Trump has said to those people who, who have that sentiment, that, that fear, that anticipation, <clears throat> the country won't be white. But it hasn't been our whole lives. That, that's a delusion. Uh, the idea that an all-American looking person is a white person, that's been a delusion uh, benefiting white people. Uh, I know this is all true. And the question is, do you have any, you know, I think both sides agree completely with that fact you just, just gave us, which is the people on the white, in the white world, especially in small towns, feel change is coming and it's threatening to them. And, and they feel that that's a reality. Right. And then how do they vote given that? I mean, it's, it's a challenge to them to decide about it, to put a positive face on it and say, this is our country. This country is not based on ethnicity. Go back and look at the Founding Fathers. It didn't say white people. It didn't say Protestants or Catholics. It didn't say anything like that. It didn't say Christians. It said the people that believe in freedom, the people that believe in the right to vote, and free speech. And, and I, I wrote my book at the end. I said, you know, American exceptionalism is this. It's that anybody can become an American who wants to be, who wants to believe in this country. And it's not like being a Frenchman or an Englishman, I think F. Scott Fitzgerald said this once about England as a, as a country and French or a people, but we're an idea. And uh, and I think if you believe in that America, good for you. <laughs> if you believe in an America that's based on ideas and ideals and, and democracy and everybody has a chance no matter how they were born or what they look like, then you're a real American. I know this is hard to sell to somebody who feels comfortable in the what they think was the way things were. Right. And they were that way. You know, I was watching an old Cary Grant movie the other night, and I, I don't know, it was, a, it was Cary Grant. 
bring up baby. And I'm going to tell you, right in the middle of the movie, for no reason at all, he says to somebody, that's white of you. You know, we used to make these comments in our main culture, derogatory to black people. It was always the only blacks in a Hitchcock movie, and I love Hitchcock, were the Pullman car guys, the conductors, the guys who cleaned up the cars. I mean, why did they do it? And they always had wide eyes and everything, and they, they made fun of them. And, uh, and why did they do that? Just to pound them down a little further down, just to pound them down. Yes. And it, we got used to that in our culture. We got comfortable with it. We said, oh, yeah, Al Jolson, blackface, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we got to clean up our act. Right. Well, you know, I've heard you distill the essence of Donald Trump's appeal to so many millions of citizens. It's as simple as this. Uh, he dislikes the same people that uh, they dislike. And nothing really matters that much, you know, else. In that's why down. they forgive his grossness. Yeah, that's right. that's uh, why yeah. they forgive his multiple marriages, his gross speech, his grossness, the fact he never pays his bills. They forgive everything about this man who's embarrassing to us because he hates like they do. Yeah, yeah. Well, do, 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 and he hates the same people, by the way. And he, uh, you know, uh, he hates the media. And I, I guess he's got a case in the sense that a lot of reporters are liberals, right. and a lot of reporters can't stand him. I agree. He's got that figured out. But you know, they they don't like him for good reason, and they're liberal for their own reasons. And they should keep. You got to. To me, there's a huge difference between the front page of a newspaper and the editorial page. Keep your opinions to the ed page and the op-ed page. Right. And, uh, but I think, you know, it got to the point where there's, you know, there's, as Pat Monahan, the great senator from New York, said, you're entitled to your own opinions, but not to your own facts. And Trump makes up facts. You know? Yes, he, he wasn't does. in Hawaii digging up information and interesting information, interesting stuff, as he put it, about Obama being from Kenya. He wasn't. That's a lie. Right. So how do you cover a lie? Uh, how do you report it? You know, you can't say lie every time, so it does affect your uh, attitude towards the guy. If he's lying all the time and making up stuff like uh, Arizona has to have another re-election or another recount, he's just making it up. I, I, I totally understand that. To me, he's done really little for his base other than serve up mean rhetoric. They seem to love meanness, or what they, you know, and they perceive softness or restraint. It, it repels them like kryptonite. But uh, let me just ask this last You're question. You're right, and by the way. I say this to people, you got to be so careful what you say these days, but of course, but, you know, life is compromise. You compromise with your spouse, you compromise. If everybody does compromise, I mean, what other way is there to live? I mean, you compromise with your kids. Eventually, you let them have what they want. What they, when they're 18, they start to make their own decisions. I mean, you compromise. You may not like the person they're marrying, but you compromise. Look, I care about my kids' feelings, and I care about what I think. And, uh, you know, you make these judgments all the time. You compromise. It's life. Spud. What? Well, I have to jump in here before you wrap this interview up. So many things I would like to correct. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, Chris, I need a brief moment here. Uh, I'll be right back. Why are you interrupting me at the end of this thing? I'm having a nice conversation here. Well, okay, let, let me begin with Donald Trump is still working on that investigation of whether Obama was actually born in America, and the jury is still out. And just because the greatest president ever dislikes some of the same people I do doesn't make it wrong. And also, Arizona, along with 49 other states, do need a full and complete recount 
we all know nefarious forces in Italy manipulated the vote count in November. And, and lastly, for goodness sakes, please stop saying Donald Trump is a liar. That is fake news. The truth will come out soon when he is reinstated as president. Look, and look, I look really... Mr. Magahead, I don't have time for your right-wing wet dream of this horrible human being returning to the White House. It's not going to well, happen. Just let me close this interview if you don't mind. Well, and I have so many more questions to ask, but I know you got to go. So let me say again that you have a new book out titled This Country, My Life in Politics and History, published by Simon & Schuster and available everywhere books are sold. I just want to thank you so much for coming back on our show. Spud, thank you. And I love Seattle. I do. I wish I could get out to the next book physically. It'd be great. That'd be super. There you have it, Mr. Chris Matthews. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. Uh, Spud, our show's resident sex therapist, Christine Gregson, is ready to go. All right, super. Put her through. I got stuff to cover with her. Uh, I know you do. Here, Here she is. Welcome back to the show, our resident sex therapist, Ms. Christine Gregson. Uh, you know, thanks for doing this once again. As I, as I know, you know, I can be a bit annoying, or at least that's what I've been told by you know my prior therapist. Well, thanks again for having me back on. Yeah. And you can rest assured, I am not put off by your questions or your comments. Oh. I've been in practice for over fifteen years, Spud, and nothing that you've brought to the table is at all disturbing to me. Well, that's good to know. So I was wondering, and yes, it does have something to do with sex, of course, I guess. Um, this is something I've given a great deal of thought to, but have never actually brought it up with anyone. You know, I've been with, you know, prior partners or whatever, wives, girlfriends, whatever. You know, and it might sound kind of inappropriate, but but hear me out. What do you think of someone asking a prior sexual partner to give some tips to one's current partner? I mean. They, they know what works and, and what doesn't with me. You know what I'm saying. I think I do. And I wouldn't advise any client of mine to pursue that course of action. It's wrong in so many areas. Why? I mean, I would just refer my current partner, you know, the, the this, this person I'm seeing, to say two or three past girlfriends or wives as, as they know me best, what I like and what I don't like, what, you know, stuff that gets on my nerves and... What's really cool, it would really save many man hours in the long term. Who, who doesn't approve of effective time management? Think about it. You know, Let, let me use a, a baseball analogy. I mean, sure, she, she could just take the mound to throw without a proper scouting report on me. And, but, but, but how much easier would it be when she knew what pitches were in my wheelhouse and what seemed to always get me out? You see, the goal is for me to hit a home run, not strike out with the bases loaded. Okay. I think I see where you're going here. Though I'm not a baseball fan, I believe you're asking if it would be beneficial to provide input to your current sexual partner in a manner that would not be upsetting to all that are involved. Yes. I mean, that's a, that's a better way of describing it. I still don't feel like it's a healthy route to take. I can see everyone involved as potentially highly offended. Are there any women in your past who would actually be willing to advise your current partner 
I find that highly doubtful. Well, you know, I'm not exactly seriously involved with, with the woman I'm kind of seeing right now. It's more of a friends thing with, you know, um... Ah, just a sex buddy, huh? Well, kind of. So she, you feel like she has no connection to you beyond the physical relationship that you two have? I, I don't know, as, as I haven't really asked. Uh, do you think I should? I mean, ask? Well, you might want to inquire what her perspective of the relationship is before you attempt to bring in an outside advisor on your lovemaking preferences. Even with a sex-only situation, people still have feelings that can be hurt. I, I know, I know, I agree. You know, the last time we hooked up, she kind of hurt my feelings when, when she said I, I didn't need to talk after we were done. Uh, you know, I was about to discuss the Seahawks and what they needed to trade for, you know, on their defensive line because, you know, they have some holes there they need to fill. Um, and she just said I had to go, just like that. So, so yeah, I, I totally get that the feelings, you know, could be hurt, and, that, and that's why I'm asking for your input. And who specifically, again, are you going to ask to provide this background information about your sexual preferences? Well, one of my ex-wives would do it for sure. You know, I pick up that she still feels, uh, you know, a little guilty about dumping me. She later married an old friend of mine, so there's that, too. I bet she would provide some information if I asked. I'm not, I'm not talking about supplying a total dossier on what gets me going and what kills the momentum. Just just a few tidbits of instruction. And I had, you know, one old girlfriend who's now a lesbian. I don't think I had much to do with that, but she and I are still really pretty good friends, actually. So I bet she would share some pertinent stuff that could help me out. Really? I find that very surprising. Well, you evidently have been fortunate that there are some people in your past that still hold you in high regard. Well, I mean, I don't know about high regard, but I don't think they hate my guts or anything. There's a, there's a, there's at least a couple women that, well, yeah, that don't. And what, and what if your current sex partner then asks you to take advice from her old boyfriend or husband if she's already been married? Hmm, well... She's she's never mentioned husbands. I I don't think she's married now, or or at least I sure hope not. Is that would be at the top of my list of buzzkills. Uh, it, it doesn't work for me. It's just flat out dangerous. Uh, I'm not into that. I'm, you know, I bought long term uh, care. You know, you know, nursing home coverage when, when my time comes. So I don't plan on going out. You know, early or anything. You, you understand what I'm saying? That's wise reasoning. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I can't give my blessing to this course of action that you're contemplating. Oh. I feel you'll regret this if you go ahead with it, but you're an adult. I'm just here to provide my take. And speaking of that, I have a client who's waiting to speak to me, so I'm going to well, have to go. Well, yeah, sure. I, I, I get it. You know, the, you know I'm sure they're, they're, you're talking about paying clients. Okay, well, we'll talk again, though, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, just let me know when. Um, take care, Spud. Um, yeah, uh, she's gone. Hey, on this show, I'm, I'm the, I'm the one that hangs up first, but anyway, all right, we'll be back. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman radio show following this brief intermission. Hey, we're Lil Holmes. We're here on the Spud Goodman show. Thank you all for tuning in.
We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Uh, Spud, I just got another email from our executive producer, Lori, and she said no one's called in yet. Um, I know. She's monitoring, uh, she's monitoring the phone traffic with Trevor at the station. And I know us doing this remotely makes it more of a challenge, but I know we can do it. Uh, can someone play our call-in number one more time? Call in the Spud line and give them a piece of your mind. Call the Spud line. Call the Spud line and give them a piece of your mind. 253-242-3054. Call the Spud line. Call the Spud line and give them a piece of your mind. Call the Spud line. Uh, and that ought to get things rolling. I- I'm sure some listeners might be feeling intimidated calling into a radio show, but come on, you guys. It's not scary to be on the radio. Remember, you can't win if you don't play, right? Americans love a winner. You can't lose either. I mean, there would be no agony of defeat if they just don't waste their time calling in. I'm uh, just being honest what? here. I've never called into any radio station before. Not about a contest or even requesting a song. I mean, if I want to hear a song, I will pull something out of my album collection. That's why I bought the records, to play them when I want to hear some music. You have an amazing record collection, Dorothy. So many bands I've never heard of. My parents might know some of them. And until you came around, I was set to inherit that amazing record collection. I happen to know just about all of the bands in her collection, except for maybe some of those uh, kind of obscure ones, uh, like uh, I think it was Catholic psychedelic synth folk artists, and also a few of those Nintendo core bands. And Dorothy, you really have uh, a wide variety of stuff. I have to say that. <laughs> You'll never get your hands on that record collection, Spud. It won't happen. You know what I mean. Why don't we table that discussion for another day? Oh, oh uh, hey, everybody. I, I was just texted by Trevor that we have our first caller. He texted me before you, Gerald. I was just waiting for the appropriate time to announce it. Oh. Well, if, if we have a caller, I guess we have to take it. Uh, put him or her through. Caller, uh, you're on the air. I am. Did, did, I, did I win? Well, I, I think I'm the first caller, so that should count for something. If not for the thousand bucks, at least for that steak knife set. Uh, yeah, what caller, kind of country are you calling from? Uh, caller, we were we were not notified that you're a winner, so uh, that I guess that would make you a loser in in, in this contest. Anyway, I, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. What? What? What do you mean you weren't notified? That that sounds Totally bogus. Well, we have a working agreement with a company that determines the winners on this contest. It's all in the written disclaimer on the station website they put out. You you can find it there. You guys suck. Um, um, you suck. Wow. Well, that's a sore loser, I guess. Uh, well, can you blame him? He should have won something. It, well, Spud, everyone can't be a winner. I'm by winning. I win here and I win there. Now what? We, we don't have that kind of a budget. 
Well, why don't we at least give them like a free CD? We still have a crap load of them at the station. We uh, we we got them free from the label, so it won't cost us anything. It's the least we can do. I can text Trevor at the station and ask what CDs are available to give away. Yeah, do that, please. No, every everyone can't win, you guys. What's the thrill in winning then? That you know what. That's socialism. There have to be losers for there to be winners and for them to really enjoy the experience. And that's important. Well, spoken like a true capitalist pig. Oh, well, gee, I haven't pulled out that moniker since the late 60s. Oh, no offense, Gerald. Well, Mrs. Jarvitz, I'll let that pass. I know your mind must be deteriorating. <laughs> Oh, my mind can lap yours any day of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're saying we have another caller. Okay, well, put it through. Caller, are you there? Uh, am I on the air? Uh, I I just asked if you were there. You know, I mean, what, what did I have asked if you weren't on the air? Do, do you think I'd be messing with you and pretend that you were on the air, but you really weren't? Uh, no, I, I guess not. I guess not. So... Well, did I win? Well, let's, I don't know. Let me check. Uh, Let me check. Yeah, no, no. I'm sorry, caller, but you didn't win. Uh, we do hope you enjoyed the opportunity to enter, though. What are you people? On soap? Maybe uh, some other time you'll be the grand prize winner and take home that $1,000 check. So uh, I didn't even win a CD or something? Hey, Chance, uh, did, did Trevor text you back about what CDs we do have to give away as consolation prizes? Uh, let me take a look. Yeah, he just got back to me. He said there's two Pitbull CDs and a Best of the Jonas Brothers available. I guess one of the Pitbull CDs is kind of thrashed. It's scratched, but it still plays on most devices. Yeah, I'm good. Later. Uh... What happened to all the, the decent CDs? They were all over the studio. I don't want to narc him out, but I heard Trevor sold most of them at a garage sale. Well, you just did, but anyway. All right. I enjoy my futon and its many positions, even with my many superstitions. I enjoy my futon even when I don't know how to put it back into the chair position and I have to call my upstairs neighbor to come over and help me. I enjoy my futon. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Looks just like the real thing. The Spud. Your last guest, Brad Rutter, is holding for you. Now, I know who this guy is, as my family watches Jeopardy all the time. The answer is... We love that show. And Brad is the all-time money-winning contestant. He pulled ahead of Ken Jennings. Yeah, I know. He is number one money-wise. Uh, yeah. He has a new show, though, on ABC with Ken Jennings and another dude from Jeopardy. Some guy who won a bunch of money. Right. You know, after Alex Trebek's untimely passing, may he rest in peace, I sent an audition tape in uh, to be a substitute host, oh, you know, no. until they picked up. Yeah, because they're oh, looking no. for a permanent replacement. 
don't get me wrong. No one could ever replace Alex. But, you know, as I think about it, I should probably send them an email because I've never heard back from the show. And everyone's gotten a shot at it by now. Uh, they even had a football player on, if you can believe it. And you won't hear back from them, okay? Uh, but knock yourself out. Just put Brad through. We don't get too many geniuses on this show, you know? <laughs> well, uh, some actually work on this show. And no, I'm not referring to you, Chance. I try to keep my te- intelligence low-key. But regular listeners to the show know my depth of knowledge on, on most topics. That's so hot. Really? You had never heard of Mayor of Easttown, Post Malone, or, or even TikTok until I told you about them. Uh, you know, well, just, just zip it and let me speak with Brad. Very well. Here he is. Say hello to a, to a guy who's pretty smart, scary smart, the second all-time winning contestant of game shows, uh, and the number one all-time cash winner on Jeopardy! A tiny sum of over five million bucks, I think. Mr. Brad Rudder, thanks for come checking in with us. Uh, no problem. It's my pleasure. So you have a new show on Sunday nights at 9, 8 central on ABC, uh, and later airing on Hulu titled The Chase. You're teamed up with your past nemesis, Ken Jennings, uh, and also Ken Holzhauer. Uh, give our listeners the basics of the show. Well, uh, we uh, one of us, every show, faces off against a team of three contestants, and uh, they go through uh, a few separate rounds. Uh, each contestant get a, gets a chance to go through some rapid-fire trivia questions to build a cash bank, which they then take to a one-on-one individual uh, race against us with multiple-choice questions. Where, and if we catch them, they're eliminated, but if they manage to get the money to the bank, they uh, stick around for the final chase which is uh, the team gets a set of rapid-fire questions and establishes a number, and then we, the chasers, try to catch that. And if we do, they go home with no money, but if we, uh, if we can't catch them, uh, they take home some big bucks. Well, super. Well, so let me point out the obvious here. Uh, this is to the kids out there. It, it pays to be smart. This this man is living proof. Uh, I mean, Brad, if if you were dumb, you, you'd probably be working at a regular gig like the rest of us. But So here's my question. <laughs> You're a college dropout, and look at what you did. I mean, Paul Allen and Bill Gates are a couple other examples of it working out well, but would you recommend it to others hard at work at higher in higher education right now? That depends. I mean, obviously, uh, getting a college degree is the good move for the vast majority of people. But uh, if you uh, if there's if you if you're in college and you feel like there's absolutely no reason for you to be there, which is kind of how I felt then you might want to look at uh, something else. You don't have to go to college, although uh, society screams that you do. Um, but that said, it is pr- the odds are you're probably better off. Hmm, all right. Well, do you think you were born you know, intellectually gifted or, or was someone in your life helpful in nurturing your, your genius and knowing stuff? Well, my parents always enjoyed uh, knowing stuff, too. But I think you do have to be born with like the trivia brain where like certain facts just sort of stick in there. And uh, I think part of that is just being interested in a lot of things. Um, so I, when I'm interested in something, I can just uh, remember stuff about it, you know, as much as I want to. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, so there's, uh, there's, I think there is a part of it that's sort of inborn. But uh, there's, it's also very important to have, you know, a diverse array of interests and uh, read a lot and uh, watch a lot of uh, documentary TV and stuff like that. Hmm. Well, um... 
Speaking of trivia, uh, what happens to you to your brain when when you can't answer a trivia question? Someone hits you up, you know, within your private life, you're at a party or something. Is it soul crushing for you to come up blank uh, when when everyone else expects you to be like an information machine? There's got to be a time where you just whiffed. Has there, has there ever been that time? Well, it depends. So if it's something that I've never heard of and would uh, like have no reason to have ever heard of, then it's no, then it's no big deal. But if it's something that I used to know but can't think of anymore, that's when it really bothers me. <laughs> so oh, on that on that question, uh, and as people age, all of us age. Have you noticed any difference at all, say, in the last ten years? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everybody, when they're in their 20s, uh, makes fun of the middle age, like, oh, what's that guy in that thing? And I, I thought that would never happen to me, but that has started to happen. <laughs> oh, God, that's that's good to know. Sorry on your you know, on your situation, but for, for me, it's good to know. All right. Well, uh, Spud? Yes? If, if I may, I have to say, I myself have noticed no decline in memory or brain function to this point. I guess, like Brad, I was born gifted, uh, but my parents were not, uh, as they say, highly intelligent. I guess I was the unicorn in my family. My brothers and sisters were all also at or below average IQ-wise, so I was relieved when I learned that each of my three kids have taken after their father. No offense to my wife, as she's a sharp cookie, but my genes in the intelligence area are top notch. Borderline genius, I'm told. Uh, uh, just a sec, Brad. Yeah, I don't buy that. I, I mean, it's True. possible you're like those really smart mathematicians and, you know, who like away from adding and subtracting. They seem kind of dumb as they bring nothing else to the table. But I, I think I would know, though, if you were actually gifted intellectually, you know, I, I don't see it. Have you ever watched Jeopardy with me? I think that no. would answer any doubts you might have. No, I've you've always tried to get me to watch it with you. I won't. I just won't. Uh, you should. Well, you know, your youngest Dwight told me once he is your lifeline when you guys watch TV game shows together. You know, that, that's, that was setting a flag up right away. There's no way I'm going to ever sit down and watch a game show with you. He said you usually pay him a couple bucks afterwards so you can feel real smart. Well, you should be paying him an allowance anyway. But that's another topic. Just let me get back to Brad. Um, was was there much smack talking when you competed against Ken Jennings? Was it ever like Kobe talking trash to Gary Payton? No, it was sort of like two uh, two Tiger Woodses playing against each other. You know, completely focused um, and you know just sort of worrying about what we had to do. No side stuff at all, huh? No, yeah. All right. All right. Super. Uh, well, let, let's talk machines. When you competed against the IBM computer Watson on Jeopardy in 2011, uh, was it tough to get pumped up to compete against a machine? Because, I mean, you can't, like, do a scouting report and try to figure out its, its weak points, you know, like and not knowing much about rock music or 90s sitcoms. Yeah, it was interesting uh, just to see how the computer would do. But, uh, I mean, it would have been a lot easier to get pumped up if we had known, you know, how big it would have been uh, in the news. Because they, I guess it was a slow news week that week, but it was all over everything. Heck yeah. uh, which, obviously, we taped it a month before. We wouldn't have known that. But, um, yeah, just if I had known that it would have been the number one story on, like, the ABC Evening News, uh, I would have gotten a lot more pumped up about it. Well, uh 
let's let's talk about the agony of defeat. What did it feel any different losing to a machine than to a person? Not really, and it was sort of it, it, it sort of felt uh, exactly the same because uh, you know the problem with um, with Watson was that it had that uh, animatronic buzzer uh, with you know perfect timing. Um, and that's what it felt like uh, in uh, the GOAT tournament, too. Like, I just couldn't get my timing down, and that's uh, the biggest reason why I lost. So, yeah, it was pretty similar. All right, super. Well, you've also appeared on many other game shows over the years. Would you say, though, that Jeopardy is like the Super Bowl, the pinnacle of game show competition? Well, I, I guess in your case right now, except for your new show, you can't really say that. But, you know, anyway. <laughs> Well, it is the one everyone knows. Yes. So, uh, you know, everybody knows the think music and, uh, you know, it, they play it at the ballpark when they're, uh, when they're, it's a conference on the mound and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly, and people, uh, find out you're smart. They're like, oh, you should go on Jeopardy, you know, so it has certainly penetrated the culture more than any other game show, I'd say. Uh, you know, I know it's a stupid question you've been asked a billion times, but I, I, I'll, I'll toss it out there. Do you, you never catch your, do you ever catch yourself like saying what is uh, when you're talking to people at all? Or no, never, never had a problem saying it on the show, and never uh, had the impulse to say it in real life. Yeah, okay. So uh, I don't know what that says, but uh, yeah, <laughs> never been a problem. Kind of figured that, but I had to ask. All right. Um, well, let me end this conversation with my standard. Uh, what has been your most memorable moment? But but in your case, uh, away from the game show thing, in your lifetime, is there any moment that stands out as number one? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm pretty boring outside of uh, television. So, really? Uh, Let's see. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. Uh, oh, uh, so I, I caught a pass playing high school football over the middle and uh, ended up getting leveled by the guy who was playing middle linebacker for the other team, who ended up playing, going on to play fullback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Huh. So that was pretty cool. Heck and yeah. I held on to the ball. Oh, that's uh, cool. All right. Well, I know you got a scoop. So let me say once again, you have an ABC show, The Chase, airing on Sunday nights. Um, at 9, 8 Central, and later airing on Hulu. Uh, we really appreciate you checking in with us. No problem. My pleasure. There you have it, Mr. Brad Rudder. Don't talk with your mouth full. Remember that. Practically everybody was told that at least once as a child. Some of us more recently. Where is this leading? My! How time flies! So before we end this episode, you would think we would have given away at least one stupid prize. Nobody has won a thing. I mean, it's starting to look like the old bait and switch is going on here. Promise them $1,000 and give them what? Uh, we don't even have a decent CD to give away. It's embarrassing. Oh, we most certainly are not attempting to deceive our listeners, but uh, can we play our call-in plug again? Attention listeners, get on the phone. 253-242-3054. Call it. And, and Spud, that kind of negative talk will get you in trouble at our next staff meeting. The actual awarding of prizes is out of our hands, 
and we took extraordinary steps to keep this promotion on the up and up. Uh, some stations will say, like, the sixth caller will win something, or they'll call out a name of a listener who entered a contest, and that person has 60 seconds yeah, to call. I know, I know, I know. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, those types of contests, they leave much room for potential abuse or fraud. Russia, if you're listening. We utilize this agency who use a non-partial algorithm to determine the winners. And it seems like we're trendsetters with this, as I've never heard of anyone else doing this. Trendsetters? If any big-time station tried this BS, they would get their building rushed like that Trump-led Capitol Hill riot in D.C. These guys, they make millions of dollars. They're smart as hell. Dorothy, while these guys argue about this, do you want to play Call of Duty online when the show is over? I'd much rather play at your place, but my mom's home right now, and I think she wants me to stay here and not go anywhere. She said I spend too much time at your house. Sure. I will play a little Call of Duty with you online. Um, I think you should do what your mom wants, honey. I know she must want to spend as much time with you as possible before our wedding. Uh, can you guys maybe text each other about your post-show plans? We're on the air, and and uh, do we have a caller, someone who wants to participate in this dumb contest? Uh, uh, yeah, Trevor at the studio just texted me that we do have a caller, and we're checking if he or she is a winner. Well, Trevor texted me first, but in good conscience, I cannot join in with this clearly deceptive activity really does look like a scam to me too okay well wait ah okay trevor just texted me again and we do have a winner yes it has been confirmed by the company handling this event isn't this exciting i gotta admit the truth it turned me on so the station is gonna pay this person one thousand dollars really uh Okay then, now I will show a bit of enthusiasm. Put the caller through. Caller, are you there? I won. I won the contest. Well, <laughs> I think so. This is awesome. Yeah. Oh my God, I never win anything. You, you, want, you want my name or address? You want to mail the check out to me or something like that? I can't believe this. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, caller, caller, I, I don't want to temper your celebration. But I don't believe I don't believe you won the thousand dollar grand prize. What's your name, scumbag? Uh, no, uh, my information here is that you won a consolation prize, which is still really exciting, right? I mean, you're still a winner. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is the consolation prize like two hundred fifty dollars or something? Oh my god, that would still be cool. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. There's only one cash prize, uh, the thousand dollars. But there are other prizes. Uh, did you hear about the steak knife set uh, we mentioned earlier? Um, and I'm, I have to check to see exactly what you won. But there are some great options available here. Well, yeah, but uh, I'm not a big steak eater. I, I, I was told by my gastroenterologist just to cut out red meat altogether. You can't prevent everything. I have issues late at night with that stuff sitting in my large intestine. And at times it feels like a 10-pound bowling ball clogging me up. Oh, no. You know, I, I, I cut out meat years ago, Caller, uh, and I sleep like a baby at night, except for having, you know, to get up five or six times to pee. Okay, well, then, then what, what else do you have? I mean, can I choose something else? 
I'm sorry, caller, but you were assigned a specific prize by the agency handling the promotion. Just give me a brief moment to confirm what you won. Caller, my apologies in advance. Uh, The prize is going to be lame as hell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I were you, caller, I wouldn't get my hopes up as far as winning anything decent. Well, then then what did I win? Okay. I I now understand that you won a lunch with Spud and I. I forgot I volunteered us both to do this. You stupid, ignorant son of a dumb Now, still, isn't that a pretty neat prize, caller? Uh, Let me check what restaurant it'll be at. It says here it will be at a fast food establishment of your choice. uh, And you can order whatever you want. Now, this is just for you. No friends or relatives at the lunch. Uh, You'll have 10 days to claim your prize. And if you're unable to do so, then it will be null and void. Okay. Thanks, I guess. Um... I'll try to swing by your station, pick up the, um, the what the lunch certificate, was it? Uh, actually, caller, with the protocols implemented during the pandemic and are they're still in effect, contest winners are not allowed to actually enter the studio to pick stuff up. So we're going to have to get back to you as far as claiming it. We'll figure out something. Well, well don't pick Mickey D's callers i ate a bad fish sandwich there a couple weeks ago and i puked for two days what would uh pizza hut qualify as a fast food establishment because you know they have pizza pizza yeah it's not that bad you know what i'll have to get back to you on that but i would think pizza hut might fall more into uh, the restaurant category but uh, let me check geez if we go over budget i'll pay the difference yes don't worry about it. If you want to do the lunch at Pizza Hut, then I'll make it happen. Ah, thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. Trevor just texted me and said we're running way over time-wise. Do you want him to hang up on this guy? Yeah, okay. Well, sorry about this, caller. I have to close the show right now, but I will see you very soon for lunch, I guess. Boy, I certainly hope he doesn't order multiple pizzas to take home to relatives. We really should be more upfront about the menu limitations on future contest lunches. Just chill, man. Jeez. Okay, all right then. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be. And I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. The Spud Goodman Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Producer, David Brenneman. Produced at Rosedale Audio Productions. Associate producer, TJ Pite. Video director, Wyatt Young. Production assistants, Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent, Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2021, Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Spud Goodman.